Hey, Relentless Friends, today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the one and only Relentless Membership Summit, the number one event for martial arts studio owners. This year's summit will be at the Scott Resort and Spa in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona from November 12th to 14th. Three amazing action-packed days of you leveling up your business and your mindset. And this event boasts one of the best speaking lineups in martial arts event history and even will feature many of the guests from this fine podcast. Plus, you guys get to hang out with me all weekend. What more could you want, right? I don't know if I just deterred you or encouraged you to go by saying that. That's all right. Tickets are going to be available starting July 1st and are limited in capacity. I've already been receiving tons of messages every day from all of you asking, Adam, when are tickets going to go on sale? So this event is going to sell out. I guarantee it. So make sure you guys are on your computer and ready to go at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on July 1st to grab your tickets. In fact, pause this podcast right now. Set a reminder for yourself in your phone or on your calendar so you guys do not miss out. July 1st, 9 a.m. Tickets go on sale. Relentlesssummit.com. If you go now, it's going to be last year's website still. You're not going to see a way to purchase the tickets. But on July 1st at 9 a.m., you're going to see our new website. You're going to see the options to purchase tickets for in-person tickets only. And you'll want to be on right at 9 a.m. so you don't miss out. All right, all my relentless entrepreneurs, we have a living legend on the show. Quanjanim Ernie Reyes Sr. is joining me on the podcast. Man, I have looked up to this guy since I was a young chap running around being a dojo rat at my parents' martial arts school. I remember the first time I saw their demo team, my mouth almost like hit the floor, my jaw dropped, right? So I was really excited to have this opportunity to interview Ernie Reyes Sr., talk to him about the early days of the, his demo team with Cynthia Rothrock and George Chung Ron there, how he came up with the idea of starting this style of demo team, and then also how do you go from one location to 35 martial arts schools and still going strong coming out of pandemic. Man, this was one of my favorite, favorite episodes. There's so much value. There's so much martial arts history in this episode as well. So I'm really excited for you guys to check it out. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Welcome to the Relentless Entrepreneur Podcast. They've been trying me, but I'm resilient for real. Follow your path to success alongside icons. I like all the profit, man. I hardly do percent. And industry leaders in martial arts and fitness. I'm a hard hitter. Hey, this is the Relentless Entrepreneur Podcast. Let's get it. And now, Adam Kiefer. Well, I want to welcome... Uh, Master or Quanjanim Ernie Reyes joining us on the Relentless Entrepreneur Podcast. I've looked up to this man since I was like three years old, kicking <laughs> as a toddler. So I'm so excited to have him on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, sir. And uh, how's everything been going? Oh, fantastic. And uh, again, on behalf of uh, West Coast World Martial Arts Association, uh, Great Grandmaster Quanjan Tony and myself, it's truly an honor to be able to share this martial arts moment with Adam Kiefer, right? And the Relentless team, you know what I'm saying? And all of our friends, you know, that are all around the United States here today to share this moment. And for me, it's just great to be alive, sir. <laughs> you are one of the most positive and like inspirational people I've, I've met in the, in this industry. And can I ask if you don't mind, Shane, how, how old are you now? You just, you just recently had a birthday, right? Yeah, I'm uh, actually uh, 
I turned 74 years old. <laughs> oh my goodness. You look like you're 28 still. <laughs> you're the energy of a 28 year old. So, all right. So first question is, what is the secret to the, the energy and the positivity that you carry with you always? Because every time I jumped on a call with you, you're like I just got done working out. You always have a big smile on your face. And I think that's such an awesome trait and quality that you have. What, what, are, what are your secrets to maintaining that mindset? I believe that, you know, martial arts is really one of the greatest gifts of life to transform any, any person's life. You know what I'm saying? And again, it's kind of like, you know, at a West Coast World Martial Arts Association, we have, uh, you know, the first thing that we say is what is our purpose? And the purpose of our organization is develop oneself physically, mentally, spiritually, and again, to have extraordinary character. So my physical training every day is I do mixed martial arts training, right? And I also do some kind of resistance or weight training, stretching. I do uh, a power green drink of uh, vegetables and protein and things like that in the morning and the, the afternoon. And I have a vegetarian diet. So I take my daily vitamins. I drink uh, high pH alcohol water. And my mental training every day is I recite my daily affirmations every morning, right? And in the evening, I, I write in my daily journal, right, to document my life. And I believe that everybody should do that because, again, if our life is worth living, it's worth documenting, right? And not just for ourselves, for future generations to be able to see. My spiritual training is I do meditation, and I've been doing that for three times a day. And I do breathing exercises, and I also do a cold shower therapy every morning. So I train 24-7, 365 days, and that's my dedication. <laughs> I, love, I love the amount of discipline that that takes to, create, to keep that schedule up, right, as long as you have. Uh, the cold shower therapy is something I do every morning as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't always look forward to doing it, but uh, there's something about it that it just sort of like energizes you for the day. So mm. I love that. Um, and man, if at your age, I can look half as good as you. I'll be, I'll be extremely happy. So that, that's an amazing routine. Now, do you, uh, for your mindset, do you, are, do you read a lot? Do you listen to podcasts or is it mostly like the, the meditation and, and obviously working out helps the mindset as well. But um, what, what are you doing to keep your mind sharp actively? The mind, the mind thing, just like when martial arts, and I feel like we're all blessed to have martial arts because again, it's, I think it's, it's a very holistic approach to really, develop yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. Sure. But without, without, without having mental, you're going to only go so far physically, right? You know what I'm saying? No matter, no matter what anybody ends up doing, right? But the people that really are the highest levels of excellence, they have a strong, driven purpose, right? And they have certain things in their mind that nothing is going to ever stop them. No person, place, or thing is no matter what happens to them. They have this constant drive. And I think that they have a strong why in their life. You know what I'm saying? So when I try to live up to that, I just feel like, again, I was gifted to find my noble calling in life, and that is to become a martial arts teacher, right? And so, you know, from our martial arts teaching, we teach a lot of positive things, but to be able to live up to those things each and every day, it's all in your mind, right? Just like you're saying, that cold shower, and you're thinking about every single time, you know, it's invigorating, right? It helps your immune system in so many different ways. And just you just wake up, right? Your whole body is waking up, right? To a, a different uh, level of energy, right? And it's the same thing. And I'm saying with what we're doing is that we have to keep on going. And yeah, it's 
it's been a lot of uh, affirmations that I do. And, and, and again, the, the meditation, you know, saying just trying to be in the moment is not an easy thing to do. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it takes practice. You know what I'm saying? Oh, of course. I feel I've been doing it for about three years. You know what I'm saying? You know, I've, I've been doing it, the affirmations I've been doing it forever, right? But really trying to get into meditation because of my conditioning. It's like, it's, you have to reach to a higher level. You know what I'm saying? And, and not of that, I think it connects to you to the divine spirit, you know what I'm saying? Which, you know, that's our source. That's where we come from, you know? That's that's amazing. And I know it's funny. I feel like I tend to gravitate towards uh, martial arts school owners that have a certain mindset, but that also are still actively training. Because there's something about that that I, I really respect because I think it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day business of yeah. running a school that you don't actually make time to keep leveling yourself up and taking yourself to the next level. So for the the school owners that are out there listening to this right now, and maybe they haven't trained in the last three months, six months, a year, or however long, uh, what would you tell them to, to get them back started training again? And why should they keep training? I would say to them, is like, uh, what is your business? <laughs> what, what, what are you really selling? You know what I mean? Right? For me, I've never, I've never tried to sell anything, right? I sure. just live the master's master's way of life, right? The black belt way of life or the master's way of life, right? So your business is to really, what is, what are we really trying to sell? We're selling the black belt, right? Because we should all be black belt schools, right? Yep. Okay. Then the next thing is I really think that we're selling mastery, right? So if you're selling mastery, then you have to master your life, right? Otherwise, what are you having people pay tuition for? They're not there to become, have uh, a white belt mindset, right? They're not there to have a mediocre mindset. If they're not training, I really feel that that's a mediocre, mediocre mindset, right? Or, or even a lower, because I have different levels that maybe we can talk about later on, but uh, it's kind of like, uh, then you're non-existent, right? So you're selling something that is non-existent, but you're telling them all the positive benefits, right? Most can transform your life, but again, you got to stop and think about you know what? Not only bring the love to your students, bring the love to yourself first, right? Sure. Because you have to, you're you are the living product of what you're trying to sell. I mean, that's how I feel. And uh, you know, it's just not it's just not everybody out there. It's even some of my instructors too. I have to keep on reminding them. Sure. That's our life, and, and we're we're so so fortunate and so blessed to be able to have, to be able to make a living like we're doing, right? Compared to other, other people that have to do, you know, I'm saying a regular job, but really don't get to impact people's lives. So we have to empower our lives first to bring power to other people's lives. Yeah, I think that's super powerful. I, I think if we're not constantly trying to reach our maximum potential, we can never help our students get to their maximum potential. And uh, I even noticed like when I'm training, I'll start to find like little things that I've stopped doing over the years, like even on a kick, maybe I'm not pivoting enough or something like that. And I start to realize these little things when I'm training that it makes it a lot easier than to communicate to my students because if you're not training, you're not realizing those, those small details that you normally would. So I think that's super important. Um, I, wa- I also want to talk to you about the West Coast demo team because I remember, like I, I can remember this so well, one of the first EFC conventions I went to as a kid, uh, like Ernie Reyes West Coast demo team, and I'd never seen you guys before. You guys came on. I think you're like the the white uniforms with the red and blue patches on the on the chest, like the squares on the chest. 
You guys came out, did these crazy jump kicks and flips that I'd never seen before. I didn't even know it was like a thing in martial arts. And then you guys did this awesome slow motion fight scene. And like my mind was blown. And I can't tell you how many times throughout the years, like at my dad's school we, with our demo team, we're like, we were trying to like to recreate, like, all right, how do, can we do a slow motion fight scene? How can, how can we do these different jump kicks? And you guys were just so different from everything else out there. So what, uh, how did you guys sort of come up with that style that you had, that West Coast style of, uh, like, I, I know uh, it's been said before, you guys were like the Harlem Globetrotters, the demo, demo teams, right? How did you come up with that style? Was that, was that you and, and uh, uh, Master Thompson c together, or was it you and your kids? Just walk us through that a little bit. So, you know, there's a saying, right? Team, right? Team. That means that uh, together, everyone accomplishes more, right? But for myself as a martial arts teacher, right? I have this saying, right? Team. Together, everyone accomplishes mastery. So again, team is good, but I believe, believe mastery of the family, right, is the ultimate and it's the greatest. So you could have a team, right? But if you that team into a family, right? Then extraordinary things happen, right? Because yeah, we were a team, but I'm I'm telling you, people don't realize that we were more than a team. We were in fa a family. So when you get to the family, is everything that you do is you know you're always going to be there for your family, and you're going to give 110 percent, right, to make sure that everybody's cared for, right, and we're all excelling at the highest level. Even your brother, I think your father. Oh, Scott, right? Yeah, my dad, Scott. Yep. Well, you know, Jason come to my school and, and I actually taught him, you know, saying our West Coast World Martial Association demo team training style. So maybe you were still a baby, but anyway. <laughs> that I got left behind on that trip, I think. <laughs> just remembering, you know, back in the day. So as far as um, we started off with just my, just my students, right? And, and my main thing is my passion is Dennis to you know, to, to master, not just master myself and master the martial arts skill, but to be able to teach masterfully so that my students become masterful at a young age. So, right. So we had on our, on our demo team, I think we had about 10 national, uh, national champions just from our school alone. You know, yeah. like we recruit everybody else and they have teams and everybody, but they're not, they're not homegrown, right? The only person that was probably out uh, that came from the outside was Cynthia Rothwell, right? She came from Pennsylvania mm -hmm. and she, just to come out to us and be part of the demo team, right? That's crazy. Uh, yeah, so as far as the evolution of everything is like at every workout, right? They gave 110%. And the whole thing was, so we just started at, you know, the grassroots of martial arts businesses doing demos, right? Yeah. Demos, you know, just locally in our city, right? At every, every, you know, saying every event that you can think about, schools, right? Special events in the community, right? Uh, anytime, any place, and anywhere. And we started, started getting better. And it was just pretty much our curriculum. And one thing that you said back in the day when we were doing the jump kicks, there was, because we're a Taekwondo base, right? Now yeah. we're, we, have, <laughs> we do everything. But Back in the day, there wasn't that many jump kicks, but our style of was, was, was Taekwondo uh, Mudokon style, right? My mm -hmm. came from Korea, and they really emphasized a lot of jumping kicks, so there wasn't really that much. And even in the traditional forms out, out in the competition is they didn't have jump kicks. They really didn't have, yeah. right? Jumping, spinning, and all that other kind of stuff. And then acrobatics, I added that into it. 
So the primary source was pretty much me, right? Of inventing that, inventing that and creating. And I saw a lot of other martial arts that were ahead of my time, like Tadashi Yamashita, Eric Lee, right? They were all in people. Uh, Great Grandmaster Bong Yu was doing demos also, but there wasn't really a team, right? And I said, okay, my thing is I want to be able to not only do that, but I want to be able to have a team of people to be able to excite and motivate and inspire people, not just through martial arts, but to leave a message some kind of way, right? So again, we always came out there and we always were very respectful, you know, there's kind of a message in our demonstrations. There's, if you really look closely, the traditional martial arts are incorporated into our drill team precision with dynamic music and all of that. Right? But if you really look closely, there's a lot of respect and discipline, the core of what martial arts is all about, of honor, loyalty, family, and bravery are instilled in that demonstration in my mindset, right? And then it becomes entertainment, right? The entertainment aspect, like you said, you know, Harlem Globetrotters of karate, right? to be able to see that kind of stuff and to add fight scenes, basically, yeah. right? And Ernie Jr. was the youngest on our team. You know, he was eight years old as a national, the youngest child to ever be rated in adults division back then because there were no kids in adults division, right? That's crazy. <laughs> of the kids that are these today, it's kind of like the four-minute mile was broken because yep. we weren't trained or kids like I was training, Mike, Mike like Ernie Jr., right? They, they weren't. He, he was in our black, black belt adults class doing every single thing that the adults did. So I didn't hold him back, you know what I'm saying? Sure. But one thing in the beginning, I really didn't train him. <laughs> my, my instructors did, right? Yep. Because, you know, it was still that kind of thing. So I had, it was, I think it was Donna and uh, again, Marge, right? My wife now, she, she, they were the first with them. And then I started after a while when he got introduced to there and had the discipline stuff and I took it over, right? So it wasn't kind of like, you know, we're at home and a father-son kind of relationship because, like, I'm has to be the instructor and you have to be. And, uh, yeah, it came out really dynamic. So it was everybody's incorporation. So it wasn't just my ideas, right? It was once I started it rolling, then everybody created ideas. And they're all pretty young. You know, they're all teenage, yeah. teenage you know. They were getting, you know, in the, getting close to the 20s, but they were all young pretty much. And so that was even more you know, about blowing people's minds, you know what I'm saying? Because all the competitors were older, older competitors at that time. And here we come with musical forms. And even in the beginning with the musical forms, because it was too revolutionized of, of using uh, contemporary, you know, music these days or firing yeah. or whatever, people didn't do that. And it was like a taboo. So we would lose every single time. But I would go up, I'd go up to yeah, tournament politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, back in the old school, because it was very traditional, right? They didn't believe in that. But we were getting standing ovations, right? The people were going crazy, but we still were losing. But I'd go up to each one and say, so what do we need to do to make ourselves better? And bow into them, all the judges, and they could see I'm very, very respectful. Then eventually, with all the standing ovations and people, they couldn't, we just overrid all that kind of stuff. And then basically... Yeah, we re revolutionized creative forms, you know what I'm saying? But everybody incorporated, even Ernie Jr. at eight or nine, he came up with ideas. And it was okay. like, once we all got the ideas, it's like, hey, we're not, this guy's too young. We don't even, you know, push him off to the side. Everybody said, let's go. We were always, that's, that's why the family unit became that strong that, hey, he's got a good idea, we're going to do it. George Chung has an idea because he was the number one forums, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was a, he's just a great charisma kind of performer anyway on top of that. You know what I'm saying? And he, was, he was one of my first students that ever came. And 
the first day that he walked in, because he has high energy and he's got that charisma and, and perf- he's a performer. So I said, he comes in the first day and I said, well, you got to go in the back. And my school was just uh, 1,200 square feet at that moment in time. And, you know, it was just old school style. We had carpet on the floor, which was the worthless, worst thing because all of the sweat, right? And we yep. go down there, it stays in there. When you walk in my school back in the day, because we did, we were a fighting school to on top of it. Everybody thinks that we're a demonstration team is we yep. were in school. And so I, I was even a national taekwondo uh, uh, I was a national Taekwondo champion, right? Back in 1977, right? That's awesome. So it was, it was fighting and I went to the boxing gyms and all that kind of stuff when, you know, there were certain things that even like our instructor, you couldn't do those kinds, you couldn't go to the, <laughs> but I went there anyway, I'm coach anyway, because I said, those guys have the, the, the strongest, you know what I'm saying, mindset of really fighting and get hit in the head, really getting, yep. you'll be able to handle whatever, right? And even like our stick and fighting thing, which was uh, Remy Presses. So we were incorporated all of this kind of stuff into the demonstrations. And he didn't even, I didn't even tell him about that, right? Until after a while I demonstrated with my team and he goes, wow. And then he wanted me to teach him, right? But back in the day, those old school Taekwondo, you're either Taekwondo or nothing. Yep. You don't cross over to karate. You don't cross over to Kung Fu. You don't cross over to anything. You stay true to the art, right? So everybody contributed all the time. So we had a wealth of knowledge from everybody. It was just, uh, we were one big family. That's amazing. And you know, it's, it's crazy to think too, all of the people that you've trained that have turned out to be not only just great martial artists over the years, but just successful people. Like you have Cynthia Rothrock and George Chan, obviously. You got the CEO of Bellator was a former student of yours, right? Or the, the yes, Parker, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I remember as a kid watching David Douglas and Kim Doe, and I see David Douglas in like every commercial now on TV. Yeah, I know. Uh, and yeah. you've done such a great job, not only just creating great martial arts, but just great people coming out of your system. And I don't know anyone else that has that type of people coming out of their martial arts training. So besides the, the martial arts side of it, because you've crushed it with that, how are you getting... Uh, your students and these people coming through your system to really hold on to the life skills and the character traits that you're teaching to use those outside of the school and achieve success? Yeah, basically, you know, we have a black belt success system, right? And so our basic life skills are our four pillars of strength, right? So the first pillar is what's our goal? And I think everybody should, what's everybody's goal? What's, you know, you go to an instructor, what's your goal, right? And so, you gotta have you gotta have a purpose, right? So our first purpose that we recite everybody is every single day with the students reciting is purpose of West Coast martial arts. Like I told you before, is develop oneself physically, mentally, spiritually with good character, right? Then we have the black belt success system, right? That we try to teach this life skill. And the number one is what's the goal again? And black belt is the goal. So how do we get that goal? Number two is you start training consistently now. And the thing is, like you said before, it's not consistently just going for a black belt, especially if you're a school owner. Really, honestly, it's consistently training for life, right? Because, you know, you're not going for a black, just everybody that's a school owner has to be a black belt, right? So they're at a certain point, right? And then I see everybody too, it's like, okay, I'm gonna go to second reading. So then they start training, they don't train anymore. Till they start getting close to that testing date, then they do it again. 
But what's happening in between those gaps is the consistency that makes a difference. But you're saying, for me being 74 years old, it's kind of like, how am I, what is, what is, what's the difference between me and everybody is the energy, right? And where's the energy coming in, right? It's because I try to follow these values, right? I'm, I'm teaching the life skills, but I'm also living them. So the next thing is then after you train consistently, now you got to analyze yourself. You got to say correction, repetition, right? After correction, repetition, then you got to practice, practice, and hopefully practice perfect practice because people could practice, right? But it could be you're just going through the movements, but you're not really integrating really, I feel, your mind, body, and spirit, right? And then if you do that, it'll lead to mastery. So then... Another thing is like, what's, what's our goal in general as, as, as for all of our students and association is Kanai, which is commitment to constant and never ending improvement to black belt excellence, right? So Kanai, we got that from Anthony Robbins, which has been a big influence in my life and made yeah. a big transformation on the mental part of it, right? Of just getting myself really thinking about, okay, wow, all the things that he's saying is in the martial arts, but how do I, how do I use what he's telling me? that I already know that's in there. I'm saying all the stuff that he's telling me is in martial arts, but how do you articulate it? And I think we articulate it to the process that we're doing right now. So then uh, the next thing is uh, the five levels to mastery, right? Like I talked to you about before. So there's five levels to mastery. And the level, the lowest level is non-existence level, right? And so non-existent level, there comes a certain commitment to that. So non-existence means that there's zero commitment, zero commitment, right? Then the next, next level is a, is a mediocre level. So how much commitment are you doing that? You're just commit, committing to, to barely try, right? What's comfort zone level? The third level, right? Which is just co- commitment to just get by, right? Then you have black belt excellence level, which is the level of commitment to excel and mastery level is again, supreme commitment to do the extraordinary. So those are all the life skills. Those are the basic life skills that I try to teach. And then I try to instill what my first martial arts teachers taught me, which my first uh, martial arts grandmaster is uh, Moses Erzbandi. He passed away. Then it became Dan Choi. Then it became Jun Ri, right? And then it became Tadashi Yamashita. These are my old school. I've got a whole list of every multi-mixed martial arts system. That's been a big help for me on that end of it. I mean, I have, there's so many names, but the people that really come up the top of my head is uh, Bob Cook from uh, AKA. And uh, again, Frank Shamrock was a huge part of all of that. And you know, Javier Mendez and those people, right? And even Javier Mendes, who's the, who's the head coach at AKA, was one of our former students. He was Scott Coker's, uh, uh, was his instructor back in the day. I feel like we could throw an event with all your instructors and it would be sold out. <laughs> it's amazing. And I just really appreciate every single one of those people that have helped me through. But yeah, those are the life skills that I try to instill them. And what those old schools uh, really have focused in, which I think is possibly dying and becoming extinct, is honor, loyalty, family, bravery, respect, and discipline, right? Yeah. And so those traditional, that's the traditional base. But because I think of a lot of the fighting that's going on, I watch every MMA you can imagine, UFC, Bellator, I mean, I'm just engulfed in, you know, watching people evolve, right, on the fighting world. Oh. 
So I'm totally in that. I'm a big fan of it, but I'm just also a student and trying to learn and you know understand what they're all going through because it is the way, right? But they leave that one aspect out of it. So it's either the money, it's all the money, the big prize money that they're doing, or just who's the baddest ass guy that could kick everybody's butt, you know what I'm saying? Whatever, right? And that's the main thrust of it all. But again, there's other MMA guys that are there. If you some of them that are real like George St. Pierre is a good one, right? Because he's yeah. the most artist, right? And then he still has the values of, I, I don't think martial arts has ever left that guy, regardless of all the fame and the fortune that he's come through the fighting. But when you see that blending together, you go, oh, that's the way, that, that's the martial arts way, right? So those are the kind of things that I try to instill in my students as far as life skills go. I love that. I love the, uh, the level of commitments that you talked about because that's something that I personally wouldn't have thought of to explain that way to my students, but it makes way more sense than what we've been doing. So I'm going to steal that from you if that's okay. And you no, we, <laughs> school. we can share. Nobody's stealing. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. That's awesome. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to talk to you too, because obviously your, your son was a, a national champion is very well known in the martial arts industry. A lot of us school owners have kids that we want to be uh, uh, little Ernie Reyes Jr., right? Um, and I know um, you said that you you weren't teaching him at first on your own. You had your instructors training with him. So there's a lot of pressure, I think, on being the kid of a martial arts school owner to be great, right? And my wife and I have a little bit different perspective on the approach. I'm like, you know, just let him do his classes and and he'll, when, it, when it clicks for him, then we'll start going all in on his training more and, and do more training at home. She's like, He's the son of the school owner. He's got to be, you got to be working with him every single day. And I'm like, I don't want to burn him out though, either. Um, so what's, what's your advice for all of us school owners that have kids that uh, we want to be great at martial arts someday, but we're also maybe slightly worried about burning them out. Yeah. So I'm lucky that I have five children, right? And all of them have made it to mastery level, which is again, fifth degree black belt, right? So pretty fortunate to be able to have them, but they were all born into it. Like you're saying, sure come from right they're not coming from the outside they're really coming from the source right so i'm lucky that they all had that and again uh you know i just got rewarded actually i tested in 2024 my but 10th me and final black belt test of, uh, that's amazing congrats and then so just last february um again the pta gave me an honorary an honorary uh, 10th degree black belt on you know just for the recognition of what i've done right in the martial arts sure. And so Joe Corley, you know, Bill Wallace and Jeff Smith, you know, presented it there. It was during, it was during our, our Black Belt uh, celebration graduation that we did. We did it on Zoom, too. It's like it's a whole other thing. And you know how that goes, Zoom. And to be able to stream it live, it's really a trip to have that production, to be able to do that across the United States and share it with the world is a whole other dynamic. But anyway, so um, it was the first all my children, because they're there's different decades, right? <laughs> sure. There's the forty. The Ernie's going to be almost fifty. He's two years old. Uh, yeah, he's going to be fifty, right? Oh wow. Forty and fifty, right? And then we have the twenty-year-olds. So right, so I have two generations of children, right? But again, they were all in my demonstration teams. All yeah, different decades, right? But that night was the first time that my entire family got together to do a Reyes family demo ourselves right they didn't even know i was going to do it because i don't want to receive this 10th degree whatever you know award that they're going to give me a recognition without me feeling like i deserved it so i said you know i can't do this i've got to do a demo for you guys 
So I did a demo and I went kind of like through a curriculum and showed them all the different things like from weapons to MMA to grappling to, you know, stand up fighting, right? Whatever, self-defense techniques. I did the whole thing. But my kids were there too that night and they didn't know. So I said, you're jumping in. And I called, oh, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, you guys got to come out here, right? We're going to demonstrate. And as a matter of fact, we're going to have Grandmaster Joe Corley and uh, Bill Wallace and Jeff Smith. They're going to be the judges, right? And we're going to go through this thing and they're going to give us a score, right? <laughs> they're going to give us a score, 10, right? So they all went out there, whatever, and they all, you know, judged us and everything else, you know what I'm saying, and everything else. So at this old age, I was the number one grand champion of How you do it is you got to make it fun for them in the beginning. Yeah. Really, because again, like what I went through, old school, traditional, it was just up and down the floor for, you know, it's like an old school, you know, the classes were about two hours, right? And you do these basic traditional up and, and it's the same thing. No disguising repetition. I mean, there's a different, you know, mindset these days of how we retain students, right? It was you either strong survive, you go, we don't even care if you, we don't even care if you stay. We only want the strong to survive. So I still have that in my mindset, right? But I've got to go, I've got to disguise the repetition. So it has to be fun for them, definitely. But you have to pay attention to detail so they don't look sloppy, right? Whatever they're doing at this point, spend a little time with them so you kind of perfect it. And I think once they get to a certain point, you have to understand, they have to understand that, hey, you're getting close to whatever level, that black level, we've got to start striving for black belt excellence, right? And then you oh, now these days, there's other people that you can show that, hey, look at how these people are, right? Whatever. And then they have, you have to understand, too, hey, you're part of a family. And, you know, without this life that we have, you might not be having the life that you're living. <laughs> so you got to be grateful for what you're doing. And I do want to get you to black belt. You know what I'm saying? If you get them the first degree, it's, I think it's a big win. You know what I'm saying? So all my children are over 18, and they had a wonderful life through the martial arts experience that they had. And, We've daily traveled all over the world, you know what I'm saying? Because of the opportunity. But again, you can't you can't uh, neglect the, the black belt excellence level. You gotta try to strive the best that you can. And not only that, it makes you become a better teacher because now you gotta figure it out, right? You gotta separate me being a parent to me being an instructor. And that's the struggle for sure. They can't, and they can't, because all my kids, no matter what, maybe they didn't obey me at home. But when, when they came to the school, they're all very respectful. Yes. I tried to keep them in the school as much as I could. <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart strategy. <laughs> yeah. And you, know, and then, you know, like Grandmaster Antonio says, it takes a village to raise a child. And all my kids from babies all the way up, they were raised to the school. We brought them to school, <laughs> changing diapers in there. Yep. Staff all contributed it to babysit them and whatever. And they all grew up, they all grew up into that. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, so it's pretty awesome to be able to do that, but yeah, it's not an easy thing to do, but you know what I'm saying? You have to just uh, make sure that they enjoy it. They have a good time, right? And you just got to disguise, you know what I'm saying? And I think once they get part of that family spirit of your communities that you're all creating, I think that'll help out. That's awesome. Really good advice. Um, I want to talk to you also because you are responsible for really doing a great job of bringing a lot of martial arts mainstream 
especially for for my era of of uh, people growing up. So I remember uh, one of my favorite martial arts movie of all time is The Last Dragon. <laughs> it's it is a classic, and it's uh, I know it's like a cult classic now, right? Um, and you and I, I remember Ernie Reyes Jr. is on Sidekicks, uh, the television show, and then of course like the prime one for me was was Surf Ninjas. Yeah. Um, it was so funny because the the first time you reached out to me to to work with us with Relentless, I was like a little kid. I went to my wife. I was like, I was like, guess who just te- guess who texted me? I was like, Ernie Reyes Senior. And my wife doesn't really watch martial arts movies or anything. She's like, who's that? And I was like, Surf Ninjas. I was like, come on. She's like, I never saw that. So like the next day, we all watched Surf Ninjas as a family. And my kids are running around going, Kwan Su, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you you've had such a great impact like on on bringing it more mainstream and everything. How, I wanted to ask you, how did you guys start to get into that? Because being martial arts school owner is one thing, but then all of a sudden you're on primetime TV or doing the Last Dragon, and uh, yeah, t- talk us through that a little bit because I'm sure there's some interesting stories there. So so what ended up happening was, uh, you know, we were doing demos all over the place, right? So we happened to do a, a demo in Vegas, right at mm-hmm. the one of the full con- contact events, right? So it was me and Ernie Jr. And I think Cynthia and George were there. And, you know, some of the demo team people came in. So we did the demo. And, and actually, Benny Urquidez was fighting back in that day, right? And he was like, you know, the greatest, you know, him yeah. and Bill really the, the, the forerunners on, and you know what I'm saying, in full contact karate back in the day, right? So he was fighting that night and a producer happened to see us, right? So she comes up and she goes, wow, you know, that was a fantastic demonstration. And I would like to be your manager for, for your son and you, right? And I was just thinking, you know, people say a lot of stuff. And I go, yeah. you know, is this lady for real or whatever? I said, well, give me your card. So she gave me the card, right? And so my main thing was at that time, I go, ah, another thing is I don't want to, you know, I don't want to leave my school because now you're talking about, you know, Southern California compared to Northern California, right? Yep. You know, my school was here and was based and, you know, it was still having a hard time struggling and surviving, but I still had all these national champions that I didn't really want to leave, right? Because again, we had a tight knit group. But then after a while, you know, I was just thinking, you know, there's more to the kicking and punching and, and all the theatrical things. Like uh, there's a message that we have to get out to to the general public or the world. How are we going to be able to do that? We got to do movies and television. So I asked my, my, uh, one of the team coordinators was Donna Bernardi. I said, hey, Donna, where's the car? But she goes, oh, let me go look for the car. And she goes, ah, I threw the card away because I had all this person threw it away, right? But, but let, me, let me just find and check it out. So then she's okay. Then she finds the card eventually, right? She goes, I found the car. So I phone her. And the lady's name is Sally Baker, right? So I phone Sally and she goes, you know, Sally, you know, this is Ernie, would you be interested? He goes, well, it's been a while now, you know, you guys, you know, it might, might be a different dynamic. I said, you know what, let us just come and do a demo for you. And Ernie's got a monologue too, right? And, and he'll perform for you, right? Whatever. So we went and did it. And then she was blown away. <laughs> step on, she introduced, introduced us to Motown. So Motown was, was never into television and movie, but they were right at that moment jumping into the new industry, right? And so we met the executives for them. We met Barry Gordy and we did a demo for them, right? And they go, there's this movie called The Last Dragon that we're doing in New York, right? There's about two and a half weeks left or so. We want to write Ernie in as a major 
uh, character. Amazing. And we want you to do the demos because the fight scenes aren't all that great. Would you mind bringing yourself to, to coordinate and be in, be in the, the stunts and bring your team of stunt people? I said, we're, we're going to be there, right? Whatever. So that was the first time that we ever, ever had the opportunity to do, you know, that films. And then from there, from there on that day, because when we moved to, when we moved to Southern California, the school wasn't doing very well. It was like 1,200 square feet, right? And the rent was like uh, $350 a month. And I could barely pay that because a lot of the money that I did make, I gave to the demo team to go travel or compete or whatever, right? So, and I really, and I graduated from San Jose State University in business. (laughs) But one thing about me, so another thing is my my instructor gave me the school, right? That small school, right? Jesus was going to retire didn't want any more to do with it, but it wasn't really succeeding at all. So, and that was everything in the beginning because I was I was the janitor, right? I was the front desk, I was yep. the program director, I was the teacher, I was everything, right? And it was all on me. But one thing that I hated to do is charge people for money. <laughs> and it was only $20 a month. Oh my goodness. It was, it was $35 a month, but if you cashed out for a year, it would be $20 a month, right? So, <laughs> You know, I was the worst person to be able to do that, and but anyway, it, it was in there, right? And so, and a lot of people couldn't pay sometimes, and I just, okay, just come in for free, you know, I'll just let them come and train, whatever. But those were the kinds, so we were just barely making, so we lived, when we moved to LA, we lived in my aunt's garage, right? In, in a really bad, poor area of Los Angeles, right? At night, there was like helicopters are flying overnight, you could see the lights yes. flash, and there were gunshots going off at night. Right, but what really kept us together is just uh, training in my aunt's backyard, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, that really kept us surviving. So after we did, after we did that in, in my aunt's garage, living back there, it was just one small room, very small room. There was no refrigerator. We had to buy one of those coolers kind of things, you know, one of those small coolers like that to have there. There was no, uh, there was no uh, stove. We had to get one of those hot pots, just about yeah. this, like that. And, cooked on there. We did a lot of barbecuing outside. <laughs> I, I slept on the bed or he slept on the floor. You know what I'm saying? And, and even, even in that small garage uh, in 1984, Billy Blanks came, right? Because he was fighting on the circuit, right? And we became, and he was, uh, he was doing Japanese point fighting. I say, Billy, you got to get on, on the circuit. You got to get on the big circuit because there's more that you can end up offering, right? And so he even came over there and he slept on the floor, right? <laughs> He told me when I dropped him off, you know what I'm saying? Oh, and here's another thing. So on that, we went to the 1984, it was 1984, we went to the Olympics, right? And so we, we went and weight trained and everything in, in Venice Beach, and we saw the whole uh, United States boxing team at a gym. We just happened to drive by and see it, and Muhammad Ali was in there, too. So we had an opportunity to see Muhammad Ali, and so that was a great moment for Billy and I. But when he left, Billy said, I'm going to be back one of these days, you know, it's back here to L.A., so he came back and he became the Taibo guru, right? That's amazing. He blew up to a whole nother level. So those, all those trials and tribulations that we were really financially strapped, we, we didn't have any money whatsoever. So after we got that last dragon movie, we got down on our knees, Ernie and I, and just said, thanks God, you know what I'm saying, for giving us the opportunity to be able to share our martial arts with the world. So then from that, from our last dragon, then we, we went to, uh, we did uh, Red Sonia. Red yep. Sonia, 
Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bridget Nelson after that. Then we had to do demos at every uh, television network, ABC, NBC, CBS, right, to all the executives. And finally, ABC picked it up. They did The Last Electric Night. From Last Electric Night, it went from sidekicks, right? From sidekicks, it went to Surf Ninjas, right? Then for Surf Ninjas, other things happened. For Ernie Juni, it was Ninja Turtles, right? He actually was a Ninja Turtle in the first one. And the suits were, and I went, it was in North Carolina. And I went, he, brought, he invited me to go down the set. Those guys were dying in there. It was like 100 degrees, 100 humidity. And they were like, you know, during, after rubber eight, suits. Yeah, the rubber suits, they were exhausted, really, to be honest with you. You know, after a while, they figured it out, right? Yep. And then, then he became the pizza boy the next time, right? And then he had the opportunity to do uh, the rundown with the rock. Yes, know. I remember that. As an older as an older person, he got to beat up the rock, which not too many people get to do. <laughs> yeah, so we were fortunate to be able to do that. And my main thing again was not so much about the fight scenes and entertainment, it's about the message, right? The right. message the values of martial arts. And every single one of those movies that we did during that time was all about honor, loyalty, family, and bravery. The script. That's yeah. That's such a cool story. And I uh, love hearing about the people that you cross paths with during that time and you you had that little dinky 1200 square foot school charging 35 dollars a month so how how did you go from that to what do you have like 35 locations 35 40 locations so you know basically yeah so basically people ask us how did how do we do multi-school organization right whatever and it was never in great grandmaster quantum 29 we've been with each other for 53 years but he retired you know he retired last year mm -hmm. but for me it's like martial arts is too much of my life right and uh, there's no way i'm gonna stop doing it right <laughs> so what ended up happening is we just internally just had our instructors so they stayed with us for a while then base base they went and we gave them the opportunity to open up they were our teachers right then they gave an opportunity sure schools then from there then because of everything that happened people wanted to join us right whatever and you know we tried to make sure that we you know evaluate everybody before we let anybody just join in our organization right and then so it kind of expanded that kind of way but really the people that really helped me a lot as far as the roots of the business part of it was really uh the late uh, uh nicotinas right and uh really when you stop and think about nicotinas and efc and ned muffley is they were really, really, if you think about every, just the basic core of how business was operated when I was back in there and not being able to survive, right, to where it is now, it's the basic core is there. It's all about, it came from him. You know what I'm saying? Really. You know what I'm saying? Sure. All about the stats and everything else that people didn't have an idea and everything like that. And so, like I said, I had education in there, but I had to learn about, you know, those, those things. So, with the EFC and the EFC board of directors helped me and all of those guys, you know, they really got my mindset in there that again, that it wasn't just about me trying to make money really, because like my top instructors that have been with me for 20 to 20 to 40 years is I have to provide a life for them. You know what I'm saying? They all got degrees. They all got degrees. So they could have been doing something else. So then it became more of a passionate thing for that and to be able to provide you know, better lifestyle for my family too. It wasn't just about me. For me, it's like, I just want to live simple. It doesn't really matter, right? But now I knew I had these people's lives in, in my hand, right? So to be provide them with a, a pretty good lifestyle, right? And to be able to study and continue martial arts was my driving source, right? So those people, and again, Jeff Smith and Stephen Oliver, and again, Dave Kovar 
were really always there for me right back in the day. And now I have you, right? <laughs> to, to, you know, share the moment because here you are, you know, talking, you're making me feel old of how you were a baby running around when I was doing demos. <laughs> well, you don't look old at all. So that's, that's good. You shouldn't feel old. Yeah. So now I'm learning from you. Is, is that dynamic? You know what I'm saying? That, that's that a trip like. It's crazy yeah. how that who would ever full know, circle. Yeah, who would ever know would we be meeting be meeting up? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing though. And I, I'm so, I'm so appreciative to be able to work with with you and your team and and be a part of your guys' success. And like I said, like I I, I was like a, a little little kid again when you texted me the first time asking about Relentless and uh, so it's, it's been an honor working with you guys. And um, I know as long as you, you've been in the, the industry, I'm sure you've encountered some different challenges with running a school. And I was just curious, what what do you feel like is one of the biggest challenges you've had in running and, and scaling the West Coast organization? Yeah, so just playing it back a little bit. Again, you know, like Dave Kovar has always been, you know, Dave Kovar has been with me, right, since back in the day. Mm -hmm. So I first met him too when my mind split, like I said, I, I took with Remy Presses, was, was one of the first Filipinos really to come from the Philippines to introduce martial arts to the world, really. The Filipino arts are really like uh, home, home backyard training, right? They, don't, sure. they, they didn't really like to expand it. So when he started expanding it to the world, they, he had a big, you know, all the Filipino grandmasters back in the day didn't really like it, right? So... I studied Arnis, and so Dave Kovar's instructor also was, was, became black belt. So we became black belts in the Arnis system. So I went to go train with him in Sacramento. I live in San Jose, California. So it's about a two-hour two drive, went over there. And so who do I see there cleaning up when I'm going to go train with his instructor to learn from him was Dave Kovar. And he was sweeping the floors, right? <laughs> the floors, taking out the garbage, right? And there's so many different things that both him and I have crossed paths in so many different ways in our training. And, and again, even like the Anthony Robbins seminars and stuff like that, it was, it was just, it was never our intention, but we'd always be at the same place in our evolution of how we're developing martial arts in our personal development. He was, he would always be there. Even when we went to uh, Tony Robbins uh, mastery of, uh, uh, Mastery of he had a certification for one whole week in Maui, right? So I didn't know what he was going to do there, and so I'm doing the fire walk because the fire walk is one of the things you got to walk across. Whatever, I look across and who's over there? Dave Kovar. <laughs> <laughs> so he happened to be there and was going to be testing uh, Tony Robbins for his first degree black belt, right? Uh -huh. So he said, hey, would you like to be part of the board, right? Of you being up there on stage with me? I say, yeah, you know, no problem. And so he had says, oh, we're going to have, again, uh, Dave Kovar going to come and help hold the boards too. So we, Dave and I held the boards with there. And Anthony Robbins really didn't break it the first time, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so here I am telling, hey, sir, you got to focus in the middle, deep breath, concentrate. <laughs> Believe in yourself more. <laughs> I'm trying to tell the motivator, trying to motivate the motivator to stay focused and hit that center. Because you know how it is. It doesn't matter how big you are, right? Yeah. And I like four boards they had to break too so it was like oh wow you know how it is when you're ki kicking and he's kicking your fingers and that guy's a big guy six yeah. five you know saying over 200 you know something max pounds so i was telling him to do this so those are the kind of things that we had but dave kovar has always been there and even for us to have our relationship was because of him you know saying he really yes. recommended you 
to be able to make sure that we touch base with you and see what your points of view and we really appreciate you know everything that you've done yeah definitely i i appreciate that um yeah, last so, thing I no no you want to say but what's the hardest thing about staff right oh yes so the hardest thing about staff i believe is that uh it's it's you know just you said school management and yeah they, like what's been your biggest challenge you've had to overcome and it's staff <laughs> it, it's staff and we all know that right yes you could be the one-man show but to really execute you can do it if you want to have a small school right but for me i want to impact massive amounts of people's lives that that's our my primary goal right and to be able to do that is that uh you got to be able to uh have staff, you can't do it alone, right? Yeah. Staff come and go, but I'm lucky that I had really our, our top executive staff that's been with me for 20 to 40 years. You know what I'm saying? It's pretty amazing, but that's a constant thing. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the biggest part because I guess we could all learn from each other as far as the business practices, but if you cannot ex execute those things by yourself, it's not, you're going to only grow so far. That's awesome. Now I want to have both you and Dave on a podcast together because I just want to hear all the stories. Like uh, that was awesome. Um, I always like to end the podcast with some like quick fire questions, just like four or five of them for you, and uh, just to to get some of the top thoughts that come to your head. Um, so first thing is, if you had a magic wand and could change one thing about the martial arts industry to make it better for the future, what would you change? I would say, everybody, don't forget. The martial arts traditional values that I talked about before because I'm just letting you know it's becoming extinct and then it can be too much of okay this is another outlet of making money right because it's money and for both Dave Kovar and I just from me listening to his seminars and things that he's done before it's never been about the money really to be honest with you it's always about hey focus in on becoming the greatest martial arts that you can be focus in on giving the greatest value that you can be through the gift of this martial arts right and then the money will full flow in your direction. So I think that's the most important thing of honor, loyalty, family, bravery, respect and discipline, and take care of yourself first and foremost. Love it. What is, I, I wanna know, what's your favorite martial arts movie? My favorite martial arts movie is uh, uh, The Last Dragon. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's a great choice. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, of course, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee had a big impact on me. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. You know what I'm saying? Do you have a, you have a favorite Bruce Lee movie? Um, all of them. All of them? <laughs> all, I've seen all of them from the old school. All of them are all, all great, man. To see, and to see his evolution and progression, right? Because even, even the old ones back in the old Hong Kong, because I don't know yep. if you know, those were really crude and everything, but still, he was such a great performer. And, you know, and he and he also talked a lot about philosophy too, right? It's like he always yes. talks philosophy in there, right? So and I think he was totally in philosophy, either a philosophy major or whatever, but he was constantly, you know, focusing on his mind development. Love it. Yeah, actually I watched your movies before I watched Bruce Lee's movies as as a kid. So and, and the dragon, the last dragon, you know, the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, what do you have a um, a favorite book? that you would suggest to martial artists or people in the martial arts industry to read? Um, as far as a book goes, yeah, not, not any specific book, but this is what I would recommend to everybody is really take, a, take some time every single day, right? Because I think 
all the greatest books are online these days, yep. right? And the greatest teachers and motivational speakers and people that could really uplift yourself physically, mentally, spiritually are online. I'd say listen to uh, go online and listen to these people every single day. You know, saying even when I'm training with weights, I'm listening to, you know what I'm saying, some YouTube stuff on in my head, right? Some kind of some motivational same. that's doing the same thing. I, I try not to when I'm driving to one point to the other, I'm not really listening to any music. I'm listening to some motivational, inspiring person that's going to take me to the next level, right? I love it. And then um, what I want to do also is I want to ask you, what, what, since you're such a healthy guy, what's your go-to cheat meal? Go-to cheat meal? <laughs> um, because I can't... Another thing is, uh, I don't know if everybody knows, it's like I've been diagnosed with stage four cancer. Right. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I've been diagnosed at the end of last year. I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. So basically, I gotta really, I gotta, gotta really watch what my sure. Food, I gotta watch the sugar. So really, banana splits was my main thing before, but I can't have those things anymore. So I have maybe, you know, red berries, and I can't have too much of that either. Right. So I've sure. gotta watch that. So. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a journey. That's why I said it's great you, to be alive at the beginning. You can't you can't even tell with like your energy and uh, my mom my mom had cancer as well and uh, she, the, the thing that you remind me of her with is she was always so positive minded. Like nobody knew that she had cancer just because of the energy that she brought every single day. Um, so yeah, I would have had no idea. I read something online about banana pancakes that you like banana pancakes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> those, those were my favorite things, but yeah, I can't have that anymore. <laughs> All good. Well, hey, Kwanjanim, uh, I am so grateful uh, that you took the time out to join us on the podcast and uh, tell some amazing stories. I'm going to have to connect with you and, and Dave Kovar and see if we can get you both on here at some point because I'm sure everyone would love to be a fly on the wall and, and some of the stories being told in those conversations. So I just want to thank you for taking the time to, to join me today. That was amazing. That was one of my favorite podcast interviews. Special shout out. Thank you to Quantum Ernie Reyes Sr. And before I let you guys go, just one more quick reminder. Mark your calendar. Set your alarms for July 1st, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to get your tickets for the Relentless Membership Summit. It is going to sell out. You do not want to wait. If you message me and you're like, hey, Adam, tickets are sold out. Can you hook me up? I'm going to tell you no, because we have a set amount of spaces, set amount of chairs to put butts in seats. And once that number is filled, sorry, guys, you'll have to catch it in 2022. So don't miss out. Mark your calendars. And we will see you guys on the next episode.